Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dr. Movie, the uh, show I do while I'm driving my car, and talk about uh, movies I recently watched, uh, momentarily all on Tubi, so uh, I am kicking off something loosely called Giallo January, or January Giallo, however you want to say it. I'm doing a bunch of Italian murder mystery movies in January, if you're wondering. So, last episode we talked about the iconic Blood and Black Lace, the one that's pretty much the standard that all these other movies are, are measured by. It's kind of like Superman the movie, you know, with Christopher Reeve, and that's pretty much the one that all the other superhero movies are measured against. Kind of the same deal here. You got Blood and Black Lace, which leads to the first Dario Argento movie, and uh, which is The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. came out in 1970, the year I was born. Um, so this is the beginning of his incredible career. And, uh, you know, he doesn't always just do horror movies or giallo movies. He dabbled in a few other things. If you're not familiar with Argento, get ready because you're about to get a huge dose because I'm pretty much going to cover what they call the Animal Trilogy right off the bat, which is the first three movies. And we're not going to stop there. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're just getting fired up and getting to the good stuff because then we'll start talking about Deep Red, Tenebrae, Phenomena, all those movies that, to me, are just incredible. Not to mention Suspiria, right? Don't want to leave that one out. So, uh, but anyways, today we're talking about The Bird of the Crystal Plumage, or Plumage, however you want to say it. Uh, and that's the thing about the way that they name these stories. Uh, it's usually named after... Uh, a MacGuffin, something that's going to kind of lead to the outcome of the story. <clears throat> and in this one, it's a bird, a rare bird. So what we have is, and, and this is another thing that Argento does so well, he loves to hit you up with an innocent bystander who is usually a foreigner to whatever's going on, usually a foreigner in general. <laughs> and, um, you get thrown in with that character and you take this ride with them and nine out of ten times they're going to try to figure out this this mystery themselves along with the cops that are doing their own investigation and that's usually the setup for all of these Argento flicks um, cleverly done it makes you invested right so when you watch uh, like I said uh, Blood and Black Lace you're not as invested. You're just doing more of the whodunit kind of thing. Whereas here, you're seeing everything firsthand from a fresh set of eyes. And you're along for the ride. So it makes you more invested. And uh, that's what we have here. We have an American writer who's hanging out in Rome to try to write a new novel or book, whatever it is he's working on. And he's having trouble. So he's trying to get the juices flowing again. So he comes to Rome to, uh, you know, get the creativity back, right? So in the process, he's got some friends that he's met there. There's a guy that owns a big bird shop. Huh. That's ironic, right? 
and uh, all kinds of exotic birds. He, he knows the history of all these animals, all that kind of stuff, which definitely plays into the story later on. Um, but he's uh, walking with his buddy, and they split up that night, and he walks past this art gallery or whatever it is. It's a big storefront, but it's an art exhibit. And while he walks by, he sees a couple of people struggling, fighting each other. And one, he can't tell who it is at all because they look just like the person in Blood and Black Lace. I told you, Blood and Black Lace is as influenced so many movies, right? And this person is dead up. It could have been the exact same person in this role because it just looks exactly the same. But he sees a young lady and this masked figure fighting on top of a stairwell on a mezzanine. And uh, he goes into the front of the building and the main door is locked, but it's got a security door that's behind it too. So it's like a little atrium there. And when he gets inside of it and he can't get into the store itself because it's locked, but then the door behind him locks because of a security reason. So now he's trapped in between these two panes of glass watching all this fold out. And he sees, you know, the lady get stabbed. And she comes down the steps and she's crawling across the floor, bleeding all over the place and reaching out to him. And there's not a thing he can do. He sees a, a guy going by and he gets his attention and tries to tell him to call the police. And then later on, the police show up and the girl is okay they take her to the hospital get her fixed up you know just just a flesh wound they say and um, so from there on they're trying to figure out what happened they keep quizzing the american guy because he was the only other person there when the cops got there and they're just drilling this guy right and he keeps doing this thing and this is another argento thing uh, you always see what happened you just don't know it and this guy like I said you're along for the ride he keeps saying there's something weird about what happened there, there's something I'm missing when I'm telling the story to the cops and I just can't figure it out well it turns out when the cops are quizzing him they tell him hey there's been two or three other murders that we think are all related to this one you know because this person is going out they're they're killing beautiful young ladies so there you go which again is is typical giallo right it's always some and that's the other thing too i forgot to mention last episode there's always a sleazy sexual uh encounter that kind of leads to a lot of this stuff or something happened to somebody when they were young and that something sets them off right so there's always that angle of it as well and uh so, he's, they're telling him that, you know, somebody's killing these ladies, and they think this one is tied in, and they don't want him to leave, so they take his passport, and he can't leave, and when he gets home, well, actually, he's walking home from, from being at the, the police station all night, and while he's walking, you get uh, an image coming up behind him, masked figure. And then when he's looking ahead, he sees something else with kind of a cloak coming at him. And 
when he gets close enough, it's a, it's a, it's an old lady, and she says, "Look out behind you!" And he ducks, and barely gets missed by a meat cleaver that comes across and hits a water line, and water starts spraying everywhere, and the figure disappears. Right. So now we already know that the killer knows this guy is an eyewitness, gonna spill the beans. So now the killer is after him as well because you got to get rid of the witnesses. So that leads to him going back home. And when he gets home, what does he see? He's got Susie Kendall laying in his bed, naked, smoking a cigarette. Yeah. So, if you don't know, Susie Kendall was in Torso, the first uh, Giallo that I talked about on here. It's pretty much my favorite. I've got two or three favorites. But uh, she's known because of being in this movie and being in Torso very attractive lady and uh, she's the boyfriend or the she's the girlfriend of our main character and she's you know oblivious to what's happened right she doesn't know he's been at the, at the, the police station or what he's witnessed he kind of describes it all and she thinks he's just kidding around he's like no that's literally what just happened so <laughs> so from there on you got him going back goes back to the, the art exhibit and the lady is there. She's she's recovered. Actually even goes to their house. Talks to her husband. Hey, is she okay? I just wanted to talk to her and see what she recollects and see if it lines up. He's like, yeah, she's she's not going to talk because, you know, she's still resting. Hasn't got over all this. And then later on in the week, he actually goes to the art exhibit and the wife and husband are there and they're putting up this new incredible piece that's being hung up and it's like, it looks like a big, I don't know, uh, 16 by 8 wall made out of who knows what. Uh, I'm sure there's some a metal frame. And it's got these spikes that are sticking out of it. Looks really dangerous. Really heavy. And uh, But they're hanging this up. And he talks to the lady a little bit. And she's real cordial. I, I don't really remember much of what happened that night. I'm glad that you showed up because that would have been the end for me. Blah, blah, blah. Right? So, he's still trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together and cannot. Um, he starts digging through with his girlfriend. They start digging through the newspapers of, of all the articles where the other murders have happened. And one of them happened to work at an art exhibit. Not this one, but a different one. An art gallery. So, he goes and talks to a guy that works there. And gives a little backstory on the girl and she had sold this painting to somebody right before all this happened. He said uh, it, the, the guy that owned the store said well, as soon as she sold the, the picture she decided to call it a day and she took off and that was the last she was ever seen from. So he asked to see if, you know, if he could actually see you know, the art that the woman or that the woman sold and it's a pretty messed up picture, which is another Argento thing, right? He loves to show messed up artwork that's pretty grotesque in a way. But this one looks like, you know, uh, it, it's, it's kind of hand-drawn uh, hills and valleys. And there's a figure that's stabbing a lady, like, out in the middle of a field. And, uh... Ironically, the person that's doing the stabbing is wearing a hat, and you don't see the face and a long coat. 
so he gets a copy of the of the painting, just a picture of it, hangs it on his wall, and starts trying to put all this together. You know, the the, the picture and what happened at the the art gallery and these murders and how does it all tie in? And before you know it, you start having the killer calling and telling him that if he doesn't leave, he's going to be next. And if, if, if not him, then his girlfriend. So he's starting to threaten him. So at this point, even even the, uh, the police officer, the investigator, gives him back his passport and says, you know, maybe it's time for you to leave. I can't ask you to stay and do any more. This is getting pretty dangerous. Why don't you get out of here? Well, he feels like he's so close to figuring it out, he doesn't want to leave. Matter of fact, he is all set to go, and he's got about four hours, and he decides that he's going to go out and talk to the artist that painted the picture and find out what the story is here. And boy, what a character this guy is. So I'm going to leave that to you to check it out. But he ends up kind of coming back a little empty-handed, but you get a little backstory of... Again, why the painting was made, and just what an unusual character this this painting guy is, this artist. <clears throat> and uh, from there, it leads to them finding a tape, uh, several different phone calls where the killer is called and made threats. And they take it. Oh, I forgot to mention, there's this huge push for technology, right? This is. The real big push for computers of the time, right? They're really sh- showboating modern technology with this computer system that the the investigation has, and the investigation team. So we get to see a lot of it making pictures out of X's and O's and giving us stats, and it narrows down that it could be any of, a, <laughs> I think it said 150,000 different people that, that the murderer could be based off the information that they have. So they're using this thing to try to narrow things down. Well, they use it to analyze these phone calls. And they make a disturbing discovery that one phone call is not the same as the other. So it turns out, possibly, there's more than one person behind all of this. And I'm kind of just going to leave it right there. Because that's a good place to stop. But needless to say, you get to find out and it's classic. It's Argento. The shots are so well developed. And this is his first movie. So he's he's sprouting some wings here, making his own movie. And it's a really great one. It's a very, very solid flick. Not very gross. There's not a lot of not a lot of blood actually. Um, and and I don't know, it's it's uh, tastefully done. If if you know anything about Argento, it can get pretty crazy. This was pretty calm for Argento. But, again, this is his first movie, and it's uh, the content is handled very, very well. So I highly recommend this one. If you want get, to get into Italian murder mysteries, or giallos as we call them, uh, this is, again, just another staple, right? I'm trying to line you up with what to go after. I'm going to start getting into some that I've never even seen before pretty soon. But I'm trying to give you the good ones to go ahead and start focusing on, checking them out so you get a good understanding of what it is. And that way, if you're not into these real solid ones, then you're probably not going to be interested in the ones that are a little more seedy, right? Or maybe you are, based on the kind of person you are. But anyways, that's pretty much it for this one. Bird with the Crystal Plumage. It's on Tubi. 
It's a great transfer, and uh, I hope you check it out. I really hope you do. Uh, I, I've, I just fell in love with this genre of movies, and this is a perfect example of why. And uh, there you go. So, folks, enjoy, and we will check you later.